1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Jeremiah.
0: Real love is calling Opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for
2: every sunrise. It translates for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. But he means it more than just, oh, I'm called to be a prophet. He means it in that there's, there's a responsibility that I bear, and it is this, that I constantly am, am reflecting the Lord. Wherever I go, whatever I do, whatever I say, Lord, I bear your name. And he means this, I believe, literally and figuratively. We all have
1: responsibilities in our daily lives, whether at work or at home. We intend to keep our promises so that everything goes as planned. But did you know that you also have a significant responsibility? In today's message, Pastor Gary tells you how you are a representative of the Lord. You reflect what God has done for you, whether through your words or your actions. He has chosen and called you for a specific purpose. People close to you learn about God's love through your lifestyle and your words. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 13, as he begins his message, A Life That Bears God's Name.
2: I'm going to read starting at verse 15 down through the end of the chapter. So Jeremiah 15, starting at verse 15 and down through the end of the chapter. This is what it says. Jeremiah is praying here to the Lord. And he says, You understand, O Lord. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy at my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? Will you be to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails? And therefore, this is what the Lord says. So now in response, the Lord, the Lord speaks in verse 19. He says, if you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze, and they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the cruel. This passage here that we opened up with from Jeremiah 15, uh, starting at verse 15, really harkens back to last week's study when there was this assassination plot against Jeremiah uh, by members of his own hometown, and in particular members of his own family, who wanted him dead, all because he spoke the truth. He was a vessel that God used to speak to the people of Judah to his own country about the impending judgment of God that was coming by way of the Babylonian Empire if the people of Judah didn't turn to God and renounce their sinful ways. And so this first part that we opened up with here in verse 15, uh, the first part of verse 15 really is, uh, is Jeremiah referring to this death threat and, uh, that was targeted against him, and he's appealing to God for divine retribution. So that's why in verse 15 he says, you understand, O Lord, remember me and care for me, avenge me on my persecutors. And then he adds at the end of the of the verse, "Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake." So he's just he's crying out to God. He's appealing to the Lord for His help, for His mercy. Uh, you know, he asks Him in this verse, to, you know, "Don't snuff out my life." I've tried to be faithful to You. I've I've tried to serve You uh, in in righteousness. And and so he appeals to God. And Jeremiah would be one of the prophets who would suffer probably more physically and emotionally than any of the other prophets. Uh, I mean, some of the prophets would, would be brutally killed at the end of their life, but in the duration of their ministry, most times they were basically tolerated. They weren't always listened to, but they were at least tolerated. Jeremiah, however, has, has his enemies. They just don't like him. They don't like what he's saying. Uh, they don't like the word of the Lord coming through him, and so they want him dead. And it, it's not only this assassination plot that we referred to last week, but later on when you go through Jeremiah, you'll see in chapter 20 that he's beaten up, they beat him and then they put him in the stocks and so they just want to humiliate him and torment him and then later in chapter 26 the people publicly call for his death I mean the assassination plot from last week was something private but in in chapter 26 they just publicly cry for his death the people do and then later in chapter 38, they, they even throw him into an empty cistern. remember, several weeks ago, we talked about a cistern being just a, a basin in the ground, usually carved out of bedrock, uh, in which to um, uh, have water as a supply uh for, for fresh drinking water. And so there's this empty cistern, just muddy on the bottom. They throw Jeremiah into one of those things and they just leave him for dead. And so this is the way they treat him. It's constant. It's relentless. They they just they want him dead. They don't want to listen to what he has to say. Uh, and he's just trying to be a faithful servant of the Lord. And every time the Lord rescues him And this is why at the end of this chapter that we just read here at verse 21, this is why the Lord says to him, I will save you from the hands of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the cruel. And so the Lord makes this promise to him and he says, I I see your suffering, I see your pain and and I'm here for you and I'm going to rescue you, it's going to be okay. But nevertheless, he's going to have to endure some pretty difficult days at the hands of his own countrymen. But there's this statement that he makes in verse 16 that I want to draw your attention to. And before I read it again, I, I just want you to notice with me how Jeremiah personalizes things. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You know how we say to people, you know, don't take it personally. I don't mean it that way. I mean it in a, in a noble way. Jeremiah is not just approaching his ministry with the idea that he's here as a spokesman to just, you know, really challenge everybody else. But he takes it personally in the sense that what is God dealing with in my own heart in the process of of him using me as uh, his mouthpiece in the the lives of the people of Judah. And so he, he internalizes this and he makes it deeply and intensely personal. Because he thinks about what is God's opinion, not just of Judah overall, but what does God think of me? What does God think of my life? And how does my life stack up against his uh, standard? Before I can think about how what he's telling me to say to the people apply to them... How is it that what he's telling me to say to the people first applies to me? So he inserts himself in the narrative. And that's what we're seeing here in this 15th chapter. He's making this intensely personal. And so he's praying to the Lord about how he stands in relation to God's standard. And one of the things that he says in verse 16, if you'll notice again in verse 16. He says, when your words came, I ate them. He's talking to the Lord. And he says, "They, they were my joy and my heart's delight. And then notice, end of verse 16, he says, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Now just underline that in your Bibles or highlight it. He says, I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. If you have a New King James or an ESV, it translates, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. But he means it more than just, oh, I'm called to be a prophet. He means it in that there's, there's a responsibility that I bear. And it is this, that I constantly am, am reflecting the Lord. Wherever I go, whatever I do, whatever I say, Lord, I bear your name. And he means this, I believe, literally and figuratively. First, literally. Literally. His name in the Hebrew is not Jeremiah. I mean, that's an anglicized version of the Hebrew. There's no J letter in the Hebrew alphabet. His name in Hebrew is pronounced Yirmiyahu. And Yermayahu, scholars, are, are they debate about the actual definition for Yermayahu. How does it translate in Hebrew? Some say it means God uh, throws, as in God's throwing down judgment on the people of Judah. Some say it means God exalts. Other scholars say it means God loosens. There's great debate about how to properly translate the root of the name Yermayahu. But one thing that all Bible scholars are agreed on is the Yah part of Yermayahu. And the Yah part is a reference to the proper name of God, which is Yahweh. So whether it's God throws, God exalts, God loosens, it's a debate. But the one undebatable aspect is that contained within the name of Jeremiah, Yermayahu, is a reflection of God's name, Yah, Yahweh. So, I think that he, one of the things he's saying here is literally, my given name has your name, Lord, within it, and in that sense, I bear your name. But in a deeper way, in a broader way, I think he means it figuratively. That Jeremiah is keenly aware that he represents God wherever he goes, with, with whomever he speaks, whatever he does. He is constantly aware that he is putting God on display. And so in that sense, he's, he personalizes this. And he, and he wants to make sure that he's bearing God's name properly. And he wants to make sure that he's reflecting the Lord well in his life. And so that's what I love about him. He, he begins with himself. He's not just, well, I'm God's prophet to pronounce judgment on everybody else. He's like, let the judgment of God begin first with me. And he looks at himself in a mirror and he says, you know, I have to be aware that I constantly am bearing the Lord's name wherever I go, whatever I do, and with whomever I speak. And in that sense, this is very applicable to us. Because, listen, if you identify yourself as a Christ follower, that you have yielded your life to Christ and Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, then you and I also bear his name as Christians That's not just a label, that's an identity. If you know Christ as your Savior, and you've trusted Him as Lord and Savior, and you identify as a Christian, you call yourself a Christian because the name of Christ is contained within your identity. And as one who identifies with Christ as Lord and Savior, you are constantly to display Him wherever you go, whatever you do, and with whomever you speak. And this is, not, this is not a negotiable thing. You, if you are wearing the jersey and playing on the team, you will always be reflecting Him, and we have to be conscious of this. We have to be constantly aware of this. As a Christian, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does a Christian look like? How is a Christian supposed to act? How is a Christian supposed to behave? And what's a Christian supposed to talk like? So that we can best, hopefully best, reflect Christ. Now, I've got I to be honest with you. As I, as I read through this, it became personally challenging to me. I hope it will be equally challenging to you. And this is going to be one of those messages. This is going to be challenging. I'll just tell you right up front. In case any of you, when I put my head down, when I get up and leave, I, I was hoping he'd be funny today. Well, I'm not going to be funny today. This is going to be challenging today. I had a lady years ago when we were in the old building. She came up to me. She goes, you know, I, I just love it when you, when you talk hard to us. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, just preach it. Preach it, Pastor G. Just give it to us hard all right. (laughs) The next week I gave it hard. She left the church. I mean, it's just like (laughs) anyway. So, uh, not that I'm, you know, wishing anyone to leave, but this is challenging stuff here. And I think we need to look at our lives and we need to ask some serious questions. What are people learning about Christ through us? What glimpse of Christ, if you bear the name, if you're a Christian, what glimpse of Christ are you giving to people? And probably equally or even more important is the question, what things should characterize those who bear the Lord's name? Now, I think Jeremiah actually answers that last question. What are some things that should characterize one who bears the Lord's name? I see five things. Maybe you could, you know, figure out more from the passage we just read. Uh, But I see five things that it says about how we should live as men and women who bear the Lord's name. So for those of you taking notes, I'm going to just review some of these verses we read at the top of our study and pull out five things that are important to understand about someone who bears the Lord's name. And the first thing that I that I see here in what he says is that someone who bears the Lord's name feeds on the word of God feeds on the word of God in verse 16 first part of verse 16 he says he says in his prayer to the Lord he says when your words came I ate them they were my joy and my heart's delight now in the context of course he's talking about the the prophetic word when God would speak to Jeremiah then Jeremiah was to speak forth the word of God he was to declare that as a prophet for the people of his day And so clearly he he means here, you know, when the Lord would give me a, a prophetic word that I would speak prophetically to the people, but I think that it is also a wonderful reminder to us of the importance in general of us reading the Word of God and getting all of what God has, because all that we have here in our Bibles is what God has spoken forth, inspiring it through human vessels to pan the heart and the intention of God. And therefore, we need to take our Bibles seriously and what it is that God would say to us directly from the Word of God, because it is His revelation for this and every previous and following generations. And in a similar way as Jeremiah says here he says when your words came I ate them and they were my joy and my heart's delight. Well the Psalmist writes something very similar about about God's law in general in Psalm 119:103 where the psalmist says how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so in other words the first thing that Jeremiah notes here about a life that bears God's name is a hungry appetite for God's word. We must have a healthy and a hungry appetite For the Word of God. Why? Well, for many reasons. But on this particular topic, in order to properly bear the Lord's name correctly in a world that needs to know Christ... How are we going to do that unless we first understand the heart of our Father? And we won't know the heart of God unless we read the Word of God and we get it into our hearts and into our lives that it might mold us and shape us that we might become more conformed into the image of of Christ our Savior by reading the Word and understanding well what does God think about this and what does God think about that and what does God expect of me in this area and what does God expect of me in that area and you won't know those things unless you read the handbook that He's inspired for all humanity to read and to understand. If we expect to live a life properly in bearing God's name, we must be fed by, guided by, and governed by the Word of God. And it must be central to our lives as something that guards us and guides us, something that directs us and corrects us, something that nourishes us and admonishes us, something that encourages us and challenges us. And you're going to get all of that when you go through the Word of God. Sometimes it's very nourishing, sometimes it's very challenging. Uh, Sometimes it's uh, very encouraging, and other times it confronts us uh, about certain issues in our own lives. And so as we read the Word of God, it helps us to become a better ambassador for Christ in our world because we're getting the heart of God into our own lives through the reading and the application of His Word that we might be a better representative of Him in this world. And let me say this, the one who expects to properly bear the Lord's name cannot practice selective obedience to God's word. You don't get to decide what parts of the Bible are worth obeying and what parts aren't. I mean, there might be parts of the Bible that honestly are easier to obey than others, There might be some parts of the Bible that come more naturally to you than other parts. But we must never read God's Word and think that this is just a bunch of suggestions. They are not. And we must not read God's Word and think that it's just a list of rules. It's not. It's more than that. The ordinances, commands, and statutes of God are the wise counsel of an all-knowing, ever-present, All-loving God, who A, knows infinitely more than I do, so I better listen up to what he has to say, and B, who is worthy of my praise and my honor and my obedience. Because if I expect to bear his name, I need to know who he is and why he is so worthy of our praise, honor, and obedience. The sure way to dishonor God is disobedience and the sure way to honor God is through obedience Jesus didn't put it any more plainly than this it's John 14 verses 23 and 24 in John 14 23 Jesus said if anyone loves me he will obey my teaching I mean how much more plain can he get than that if anyone loves me he will obey my teaching next verse John 14 24 he who does not love me will not obey my teaching So he just puts it very plainly. If you really love me, you're going to obey me. If you don't love me, it'll be shown by the fact you don't obey me. So then we have to be asking ourselves, how much do we love Jesus? Because Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey me. If you don't love me, you won't obey me. So how much do we love Jesus? The Christian who says things like, I I know what the Bible says about divorce, but I'm going to pursue one anyway. I know what the Bible says about sexual purity, but I'm going to fool around anyway. I know what the Bible says about moderation, but I'm going to go ahead and get wasted anyway. I know what the Bible says about forgiveness, but I'm going to hold a grudge anyway. The person who goes around saying stuff like that, or not even saying it, thinking that, is not bearing the Lord's name. You're just bearing your name, and you're mocking the name of God in the process we got to be serious about this as Christians and take to heart what God says in His Word and do what He says in order to properly reflect Him, bearing His name in our culture. If we're going to properly represent Him, if we're going to properly represent Christ in our world, we have to... Know the Scriptures, grow in the Scriptures, and show the Scriptures by the way we live. We have to know the Scriptures, which Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15, are able to make you wise into salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We have to know the Scriptures. That's where it begins. We have to know the Scriptures because in knowing the Scriptures, then we come to faith in Christ. We have to grow in the Scriptures in the same way that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. And we have to show the Scriptures... As we shine like stars in the universe, holding out the word of life to a crooked and depraved generation. That's what Paul says in Philippians 2, 15 and 16. So we have to know God's word, grow in God's word, and show it to a world who needs to know the love and the hope that come through faith in Jesus Christ. And it begins with us obeying, doing what God says in his word. 1 John 5, 3, this is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. See, we have a choice. We could either approach the commands of God and think, man, this is like vinegar, I don't like this. Or we could approach the word of God as Jeremiah did, and he he says, This is like honey, this is sweet, this is satisfying, this is nourishing. Oh, how I love your word, Lord. I received it, I ate it. It was it was like food for me, and it was sweet to the taste, and it was satisfying and, and delightful. I hope, I pray that as you approach the word of God, you approach it that way. Lord, Some of these things are more difficult for me to obey than other parts, but it's all good. And your word is delightful to my soul, and I feed on it. It is sweet to my mouth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So we need to ask ourselves, does God's word have its rightful place in my life? The second important point about someone who bears the Lord's name is that we have to avoid bad company. Now, he says here in the first part of verse 17, I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I never sat in the company of revelers, I never made merry with them. It's very similar to Psalm chapter 1, where it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night.
1: Your new life. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Jeremiah. Known as the weeping prophet, he was only 20 years old when he began his prophetic life. Though not specifically mentioned, it is believed he would have followed the life of a pastor. And because of his young age, he was not always well received. No doubt this influenced his writings. And because of their heavy and often negative tone... He earned his title as the Weeping Prophet. However, this did not stop him, and he went on to prophesy the many truths that the people of Jerusalem needed to hear. Did you know that getting together as a church family is one way that you can hear truth from one another? Cornerstone Chapel gets together each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m., and Wednesday at 7 p.m to learn from the Word and spend time in worship as sons and daughters of the King. Find out more at CornerstoneConnection.cc We also encourage and believe in the power of praying together and for one another. Email us at prayer at CornerstoneChapel.net with your prayer needs today. Thanks for listening to The Weeping Prophet Jeremiah today on Cornerstone Connection.